You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. If you've got your Bible, I've got one verse I'm going to read. It's found in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 7. And today I want to talk about the precious fruit of the earth. The precious fruit of the earth. It says in verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit. I must say precious fruit. fruit. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Now, Lord, I thank you for the word of God that's alive and full of power. I thank you, Lord, for anointing me to deliver the word with power, clarity, and freedom. I thank you, Lord, for the listeners to listen with a spirit, that, Lord, have an open mind, and follow that the word touch their hearts and bring change and bring a new course of action in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. Everybody say it again, precious fruit. We don't use the word precious. Sometimes they, you might call your child precious. But precious means very valuable, Precious. When the Bible talks about precious, it always talks about some kind of jewel, some stone. In Revelations 21, 18, it says that the foundations of heaven are adorned with precious stones. It lists them like amethyst. And it, went through, it, it, it goes through all of the different stones that are considered valuable, costly. How many know if you are a man and you had to buy a ring How many know that puts you in the hole? I mean, a a good hole. But it's like a big deal, isn't it, right? A little shiny piece of glass. I mean, a diamond. Uh, You know, they make them synthetically now. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, But nonetheless, if you've got your Bible, I've got one verse I'm going to read. It's, it's found in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 7. And today I want to talk about the precious fruit of the earth. The precious fruit of the earth. It says in verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit. I must say precious fruit. Precious. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it, until it receives the early and latter rain. Now, Lord, I thank you for the word of God that's alive and full of power. I thank you, Lord, for anointing me to deliver the word with power, clarity, and freedom. I thank you, Lord, for the listeners to listen with a spirit, that, Lord, have an open mind, and follow that the word touch their hearts and bring change and bring a new course of action in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. Everybody say it again, precious fruit. We don't use the word precious Sometimes you might call your child precious. But precious means very valuable, precious. When the Bible talks about precious, it always talks about some kind of jewel, some stone. In Revelations 21, 18, it says that the foundations of heaven are adorned with precious stones. It lists them like amethyst. 
And it, went through, it, it, it goes through all of the different stones that are considered valuable, costly. How many know if you are a man and you had to buy a ring, how many know that puts you in the hole? <laughs> I mean, a, a good hole. But it's like a big deal, isn't it right? The little shiny piece of glass, I mean, a diamond. Uh, you know, they make them synthetically now. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, but nonetheless, through the power of the cartels, you pay a lot of money for that little rock. Uh, so, but whether it's a sapphire ruby, it's a big deal. Precious stones. I remember taking my kids on those family gemstone farms up in North Georgia. You ever, ever done that? They give you a bucket of sand. They go, take the sand, and somewhere there's some rubies. The rubies are so small, you need a magnifying glass, but you do find them. But no, it's just a joy to find little red rubies and other things that are out there. But they're precious, costly, valuable. You know what God says? The fruit of the earth is people. It's a precious fruit, meaning they're valuable. They're like, you, you, you cannot look at someone because they don't have money, they're not valuable. In the eyes of God, the man lives under the bridge in Atlanta in a cardboard box is just as valuable as a doctor living in a beautiful home in Alpharetta. They're just as valuable. We tend to value people based on their social status, economic influence, but with God, everyone's important. So the prostitute in South Fulton is just as important as any other family member up here. The valuable, precious fruit of the earth. And so Jesus gives a parable. One time he was, he was eating, as the Bible says, with tax collectors and sinners out of Luke 15. And the Pharisees and scribes didn't approve. In fact, they complained. They said, you're eating with the sinners and these tax collectors, don't you understand? You shouldn't be associating with these kind of dirty people. And Jesus gave three parables. It's only found in the book of Luke that all talk about the value of the precious fruit. He starts off with the 100 sheep, but there's 99 sheep because one got lost. And I liked how he emphasizes the one. Everybody say the one. You see, in the eyes of God, one is valuable. One. Jesus would die just for one. But he died for the many. And the Bible says when that shepherd looked all over the place and found that lost sheep, put it on his shoulders, carried it back, and there was great rejoicing over the one. What is he doing that for? He's trying to put value on every person on the planet. And if that wasn't good enough, he did another parable. There was a woman who had 10 silver coins. And in her house, she lost one of them. And she put the candle on, and she took a broom, and she began to move furniture, and she searched, 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 searched until she found the one. And then everybody celebrated with her. And then he moves on to another example, which is the prodigal son. And I like the prodigal son because one time he was with the father. We have many people that used to walk with God. But the devil comes along and lies to people. And now they're no longer in the house and no longer part of the fellowship. And they know about God but are away from him and they end up in trouble. But God's married to them. Because the Bible says when the prodigal son came to himself, he said, I will no longer, I will go to my father and say, don't make me a son anymore. I just made you one of your hired servants. 
but said while he was coming across the horizon, the father was looking for him. And when the father saw him a long way off, my, he may have been a speck. The father ran to him. The particle son didn't run to the father. The father ran to him and he embraced him and kissed him and said, this is my son is dead, is now alive. Was lost, but is found. And he celebrated the finding of the son coming back. And so we have to think about people in your families that have drifted from God. God values them. Never look at someone's sin and thought, well, Jesus doesn't love them. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus loves every human being. He, listen to me. He loves those, he loves those that are murderous or so full of anger. He doesn't love the fact that they're a murderer, but he loves the person. He doesn't love the adulterer. I mean, he, doesn't, he loves the adulterer, but doesn't love their adultery. He loves the transgender and the homosexual, but he doesn't love their behavior. But he still loves them. You got to never forget, Jesus loves the precious fruit of the earth with the same amount of love he loves you. Because God's no it's a respecter of persons. He has no favorites other than the fact that you're a human being made in his image, but, he, but you got to be part of his family. You have to be born again. But the point is this, everyone's value is the same. And God values the precious fruit of the earth. So we need to make an adjustment. You can never look at anybody and pass them by. That's why we have safe house. Safe house is where we minister to people who live on the streets. It's an amazing thing. You hear their story? I mean, I've met famous people on the street. People that are part of television. They're on the street of Atlanta. Don't ask me why. Atlanta is like considered the Hilton of homelessness. People move from Charlotte and Miami all over the country because Atlanta has a reputation of taking care of the homeless. That's a good reputation. But you meet people from all walks of life. I've met doctors on the streets. I've met, you're talking about housewives that used to have a home up in Alpharetta on the streets. No way. Come with me. I'll show you. And that's why we go to Seven Bridges. Seven Bridges stands for Seven Bridges in Atlanta where people end up living under the bridge. Then every day they go there and they connect with people and those who want to, they take them into the center, mainly women with kids, and give them a home for as long as they need it until they get restored. They do church every day for two hours. They get them saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, we have to be involved because their value is equal to any other person. That's the heart of Jesus. Now, I want to talk about this world. We live in a world, I would say more than any other time of history. Have you ever seen so much confusion in educators, in the media, and where distortion of truth is going on at such a rapid pace? But the Bible predicts it. The Bible says, out of 1 Timothy 4.1, that in the latter days, many, though some, would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I have never in my life seen so many pastors drink the devil's Kool-Aid. They once were word of faith, Holy Ghost miracle people, and now they're in operating a church for gays and transvestites. That's going on as I speak. So people that equivocate where they say, we accept the homosexual lifestyle because we want to be loving. No, you be loving to tell them the truth. We love you, 
But Jesus accepts you, but not that. I just read a skim review of an LGBT guy that came out. He was in it 25 years. He said, I was one of the leaders. He said, let me explain about our agenda. We hate Christianity. Our goal is to destroy it and kick it out of the country. We will use the LGBT agenda to push the Bible completely out of society. So you need to understand the agenda. And he says, the, and he said, this guy, the worst thing you can do is tell an LGBT person, it's okay, I accept your lifestyle. No, they need to know. This is, this is not right. And I had a neighbor way before LGBT was a big national thing. Every weekend she went the streets of Atlanta and she had her own ministry reaching out to all those that are the other persuasion. And she told me about half of them she meets are Christians from churches and they want out. They just need someone to show them how. Amen? So we don't condemn them. We love them. But we don't accept their behavior because you lower the standard of the Bible. Does that make sense? And they can't get free. He said that in the, in the, in the book, don't ever do that. Remind me, someone staff, I want to get that book, put it in the bookstore so others can read it. But the Bible talks about in first, 2 Timothy 3, 1, that perilous times will come. And the God's Word translation says, times of violence. You know, when I was in Johnson City passing out flyers for the several days, I ran to people. Johnson City is like, like a little town, 50,000, 60,000. It nestles in the hills, the Appalachian Hills, on the northeast part of Tennessee. I kept seeing people from all over the country. People from L.A. What are you doing here? People from Delaware, Rhode Island. What are you doing here? You know, they had a common retort. They said, we are so sick and tired of living in communities where if you don't agree with their radical left agenda, they rail on you and curse you and come at you so violently that we said, we don't want to live this way. So we're going to move to a city where we can have some civility. But that's sad. One of, the, one of the ladies who just lived next door to a newly moved in from L.A., she said, I went over there and told him a piece of my mind, what you say. I said, you can keep your fruits and nuts in California. Don't bring your goofiness to Tennessee. We don't want none of that trash that you got gone over, over, over there. I said, well, I respected her for that. But truly, you are such a tough time in our country. People are moving across the country to get away from it. No place to hide pretty soon, though. Because the Bible says violent times will be here. Let me tell you what else. This is out of 2 Timothy. He said, out of the God's word, it said that people will be selfish. They'll be loving money, arrogant. This is so true. Use abusive language. Show no gratitude. Have no respect for what is holy. Wow. Lack self-control. Be brutal. Conceited. Reckless. And have no love for what is good. Does that not describe what's going on today? It is like we have lost our ever-living mind. But never fear, because God is still here. But the, but the Bible says the world lies in the sway of the evil one. And his goal is to blind men's minds and to stop up their ears from hearing the truth. So when God showed up in the life of Paul, in the book of Acts 26, 18, Paul shares the vision he had. He said, God told me to open the eyes of the blind in order to turn them away from darkness to light. 
When you're in darkness, you know where you're going. Now, it's hard to find darkness in Atlanta because there's so much light pollution. But if you get up into the campers, if you like to camp, I like to camp. You get out way out there, and it's not a, there's no moon. It can be so dark. You don't know what's going on. And bad things happen when you don't know what's going on. You stub your toe because you don't know what's going on. I remember one time we were growing up in Atlanta. We used to live in Sandy Springs way back when Atlanta was barely a million people. And we were camping in the woods because they had woods everywhere. It was late at night. We, we decided to camp at night. Bad decision. We had no light. And so we put this tent up in what we thought was beautiful, lush foliage all around us. I said, isn't this beautiful? It looks so pretty. And then the, the stars are coming through, the trees barely dim, dim light. We set up our tent. And we all got in the tent and went to sleep. We woke up that morning scratching every limb furiously. We unzipped the zipper, opened it up. We had put the tent in the biggest patch of poison ivy you've ever seen in your life. The whole thing was covered in poison ivy. And we're just scratching, and it's like we had to run home for the calamine lotion. But you know why we did that? There was no light. We're doing it in the dark. And the devil took advantage of us. Can I say this to you? In the dark, if you keep yourself blinded, no one plans to go to hell. No one plans to hit their finger with a hammer. But if you don't know what's going on, bad things happen. And so we live in a world that's oppressive. But he goes on to say to Paul, he said, turn them from the power of Satan. You have to realize this. If you're not born again, the power of Satan rests on you. From the power of Satan to the power of God. You know, when man became created by God, God's a faith God. He made Adam to have faith. What is faith? Faith is that you trust in the integrity of what God says. So Adam and Eve had fellowship with God because it was based on faith, on trust. When the, when the enemy came, you know what he really questioned? He questioned the integrity of God because he questioned the integrity of God's word. When Adam went with Satan, he was saying, God, I no longer believe what you said is true. Because the plan of God was, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to make you have dominion over the earth. I've got nothing but good for you. And Satan told him, that's not true. So the heart of man's problem is unbelief. They disconnect from God through unbelief. And if you don't have faith in God, what takes his place? Fear. And so man is now a fear creature. And man becomes all about having to provide for himself, which leads to selfishness. Gets filled with himself, which leads to pride. Becomes self-centered, greedy, lustful. And all the pain and sorrow and grief of the world was loosed on the planet. And the only thing that can save mankind is to put their trust back in God. Their faith has to be restored in a God who will never lie to you. That's why when Jesus came to this earth, he had the one sermon message, which I out of Luke 4.18. Spill the Lord's palm because he's anointing me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now get this. He's come, I've come to heal the brokenhearted because sin will break your heart. You look at the brokenness in the world today. 
Look at Ukraine and Russia. It grieves because one city after another being obliterated, children being massacred. All for what? A little piece of terra firma. You have to be insane. You have to be demon-possessed to have that go on. All wars are inspired by demonic powers. They really are. And so we've got this going on. So people are, their, their hearts are broken. And then Jesus said, I've come to preach. I've come to preach liberty. I'm, to say that I've come to preach, proclaim liberty to the captives. He preaches first. And then you go down another line. He says, I've come to set the captives free. But you cannot set them free until you tell them how to be free. They got to hear the word before they get the deliverance. Are you out there? And that's why God has given the mandate to the believer is that you must go tell them that they can be delivered from the power of hell. That Jesus is the way maker. That Jesus is the miracle worker. He's the water walker. He's the bread provider. Jesus is the supernatural deliverer of mankind. And so we hold the good news. And when Jesus says go, you know, go, go. It's an action word. Go. I mean, do something now. You don't say, he did not say, contemplate, meditate, think about it, keep considering it. No, that's what people do. But that's not what the word says. And the word said, go, act. Well, I want to think about it. That's your problem. You're thinking. But when I feel the urge, no, it, they just obey God. Just go. Can I tell you, there's an anointing comes when you begin to go. Like, see this pastor here? I don't sit and talk to you in theory. I go. I go. No, I go. I just came back from York myself for a few days. I just came back from Johnson City. I go on mission trips all the time. I, I tell you what, I will not sit behind my desk and study and theorize about the Christian faith. When, I'm, when I realize I must lead by example. So if I go, you need to go. That's the way it is. We need to get to get, get the t-shirt. Too many people talking. Well, let me contemplate. Talking, that's why I hate committees. Committee, well, what do you think? Well, I think, and then you get all these minutes, and then, okay, we'll table that for the next meeting. My God, the boredom gone to seed. I mean, just, that's why in our church, it's a committee of one. It's me. You can make very quick decisions. I'll, I'll get advice. Uh-huh, uh-huh, listen. But I got to go what I feel like in my heart with what, what God would say. And I just go. I just tell my staff, we're doing this. Here's, here's, it's, and, and that's how we work. People say, how can you do something so quickly? The power of one. I tell you, it's, it's, <laughs> it just, you just make it happen. But we don't do it arrogantly. You do it deferring to others. We listen to others. I don't do everything I feel like, but I listen to what God. If I feel strong about God, when it comes to souls and winning the lost, I'll stretch myself financially in every other way. Because why? People are dying for lack of the truth. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Yes. And so, you know, um, when I was called out from the business world, I used to work 
in the business world, in corporate sales, downtown Atlanta, nice office. A lot of people worked together with me. It was wonderful until... You, you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. You need to leave and be in full-time ministry. You know my story. I argued with God for a year. But I relented. I went. But before I went, I went to the woods. I camped out for a week by a creek in the North Carolina mountains. Me and the critters. Were there critters? You wouldn't believe. I'd be sitting there by the bench, just me and myself and I and the trees and the woods. And, the, and here comes this like 10-foot snake, big old black snake, right? Come out of the woods, big old black racer. And sat right next, I mean like I'm here. I don't think he's trying to eat me. I think he's just trying to check me out. And he called up, he's getting in, in the sun. I just kept on reading my Bible, looking at him, reading my Bible. God's wonderful creature. Then after a while, you just take off. Something about being in the woods with the animals puts you at peace. You don't get that driving 400. You don't get that driving around the streets of Roswell. It's just wonderful. I'll be sitting there in the evening hours, the sun coming through the trees, and I hear this. There are deer. There's this deer coming up, wading through the stream, up the, up the stream, checking me out. I say, God, your creation is so beautiful. But in the quietness of that time, the Lord began to speak to me about the theme of the church. And he directed me to Isaiah 58. He said, I want your church to follow this. What does Isaiah 58 say? It says, it talks about, especially halfway through the verse, he said, this is the kind of fast, this is the fast that I'm calling you to. It's a fast where you break things open. You loose the bonds of wickedness. You undo heavy burdens. You let the oppressed go free, and you break every yoke. You see, God gives us the opportunity to lift burdens and set captives free. Why? Because we have Jesus, the burden breaker, I mean, the yoke breaker, burden lifter. When you bring Jesus to people, you're bringing them into the life that you've enjoyed. Isn't Jesus wonderful? So it's important about, everybody say precious fruit. But before I go on, I want to just talk about this. I want to talk about the goodness of God. Oh, the goodness of God. I wish, every, I wish I had the opportunity to tell everybody in the world that God is so good and that he has nothing else on his mind than to bless you. That's all he has on his mind. He doesn't have a whip in his hand. He doesn't prophesy doom over you. In fact, the Bible says if you're sick, he'll bring healing to you. There's no sickness in heaven to send down to you. Michael is not sick. Gabriel doesn't have a headache. God does not take aspirin. They don't have hospitals in heaven. If you're a doctor here, work here. Because in heaven, you won't be needed. Isn't that wonderful? And all the doctors said, thank God. But think about this. No pain. But you see, he has that for us here. And God wants to prosper you. Behold the goodness of God. The blessing of the Lord make us rich and he has no sorrow with it. God wants to bless you. Third John 2, I wish of all of it that you, be, that you prosper and be in health. God doesn't mind you having money as long, long as money doesn't have you. If you can keep a low hold of money, say, God, when you need it, I'm going to give it. 
You have to understand, God prospers you, but there's a purpose for the prosperity. It's always for the kingdom. If you can keep that right and keep it in balance, God wants to bless you. He's a good God. I want to tell people, do you realize that God wants to know every detail of your life? That he knows the very hairs on the, the number of them on your head. When was the last time you counted your hairs? Now, some of you, it'd be one, two, three. Okay, you got a doubt. But you don't count the hairs of your head. There are too many. But God knows the number. I mean, he knows the detail of your life. He is such a good God. Psalm 86, 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a good, you, you, are, you are a God full of compassion and grace, long-suffering and abundant in mercy. He is. In Psalm 111, 4, it says, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Have you ever sensed the compassion of God? You've, you've, you, have, you ever had it in your life where thing, your, your back's against the wall, and you cried out to God, and God delivered you? I can't tell you many times that's happened in my life. He is so good. He doesn't treat us as we deserve. If you'll confess it, he'll show you mercy. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 is one of my favorite. He says, his compassions are new every morning. The Lord is compassionate. God has mercy. You go to the New Testament. Jesus says in Matthew 9, 36, it says about him. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for, for them because they were weary, which means harassed and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. All we have gone astray. Everyone's gone his own way. And the more we go, the more confused we become. I promise you this, God wants to gather you in his arms and bring healing to your life. He has that for every human being on the planet. And then in Matthew 14, 14, he says, when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. Psalm 86, 5, for your Lord, for, for you, Lord, are a good God. You are good, ready to forgive and abundant and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. You got to get this. God is good. I just gave you a few. 33 times it says in the, it says in the Old Testament, the Lord, great is your mercy. Amen. Praise the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. God is so good. If I could just introduce people, listen, God wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He's a good God. He is so good. I, I think about this. We need to hear it ourselves, that God is a good God. God is real. God wants you to know him. God wants you to connect with him. God has nothing but in his heart but to bless you in Jesus' name. Here's God's plan. He wants you full of joy. He wants you to know your purpose and live an abundant life. That's it. That's it. No other agenda. That's the agenda. He wants to lift you. He wants to bless you. That's all it is. You know what? I people give all the money on the earth that they could know that God really wants to know them that, that way. But the devil's lied to them and said, no, God's mean, God's hurtful. No, God made us in his own image and he made us to be with him. And the Bible says, uh, Luke, 9, uh, um, Luke 9, it says, for, the, for God is for God, for the Son of Man, did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He came to, dis he didn't to, to, to hurt us. He came to help us. And so, everybody say, good God. Good God. Say, God, God 
is a good God. Yes. Name one seven says, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. And it's a stronghold for those in the day of trouble. I don't know about you. I've been in trouble. But all I know is that God has delivered me time after time after time. Oh, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Where would we be without your mercy? Where would we be without your grace? God, you extended your hand to us time and time again and delivered us from our troubles. You're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 He just wants to show his goodness. Think about it, God. All I want to do is show you my goodness. If you make it too complicated. I want to talk about something that became very real to my heart. We were on vacation, and I took Sunday off. I normally don't do that. I was talked into it, and it was good. <laughs> we went to a church called the Lighthouse Church in Pensacola, Florida. Panama City. And we went in there, and the guy, it was like a one-hour service. That's okay. You take what you can get. But he says, we have a guest speaker. I'm not going to speak. He said, who is it? It was David George. David George? Wait a minute. We know David George. He's been an evangelist for 40 years. As a missionary, he's traveled over 5 million miles. In Haiti, Dominican Republic, Cuba. And it's through his connection we got into Cuba. And he began to share his life story. And his verse, I'm going to borrow it, because he's going to come preach here. He'll preach this sermon a lot better, but I just wanted to add this bit because it so touched me. It's found in the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 12. As a shepherd takes from the mouth of the lion, he takes two legs and a piece of an ear. It seems like nothing in the natural began to share about his life. He said, I became those two legs and a piece of an ear. After many years of ministry, my wife and I unfortunately divorced. Uh, he said it was the saddest thing. My heart was broken. In my denomination, if you're divorced, you're done. But not only was it that I got kicked out, but pastors that I'd known for years and major supporters of my ministry, 17 to be exact, wrote me lengthy letters deriding me and telling me how sorry I was. He said, all the money was cut off. I had no money. I'm living in an apartment by myself with no furniture. I'm sleeping on the floor. He said, about a week went by. Unfortunately, I had nothing else to do, but I reread the letters. And I felt so depressed. A voice came to me and said, you're finished. Your life is over. You might as well take your life now. He said, I took my handgun. I put it to my head. I was going to pull the trigger. And I heard a voice way down on the inside. It said these words. David, I'm not finished with you yet. He said, I want to still use you. David, 
you're worth the reach. He said, he put the gun down. He said, God, I still have nothing. He said, Thursday of that week, a pastor called out of the blue. Come minister to our church. It was a Thursday night. He said, I ministered. And when I got behind the pulpit, the power of God came down like Niagara. When I gave an altar call, 50 people ran forward. The pastor was so moved that he gave me a check for $10,000. He said, come back and do it again. Thursday did it again. The same thing happened again. Another $10,000. He said, that launched a revival that went nearly a year. And with that, I was launched in my ministry again. I have a new wife. I'm ministering all over the world. But let me tell you this. I was down to two feet and an ear. But God said, I was worth the reach. Can I tell you something? There are people out there that may be on their last leg. All they got is two legs and an ear. And the Lord's looking for us. Will you reach for me? When you reach for someone, it takes effort. When you reach for someone, it takes you out of your comfort zone. When you reach for someone, it may even take you out of the safety zone. But because of your heart of compassion, you want to reach for them. You know, we are here on July the 3rd to reach to our community. On Friday, I was sitting there in my quiet time. And the devil came to me and said, look at all the money you're spending because the bills add up on a, a, an event like this and amount of effort. And we do a lot around here, do we not? I said, you really need to do this. Do you really need to do this? It's such a push, but I feel I'm hard to do it. And then I looked, there was a, someone had sent me a text with a little video. And it was from Natalie Gummersbach. Natalie Gummersbach was my neighbor. That about 10 years ago, I dropped off a July 4th flyer. And they came to our church for about five years until they moved to Florida. But her whole family got right with God. Her husband found Jesus. Her sons came around to God. The whole family got lifted up. And we became best friends. Here's the video I want to show you. Roll it. 11 years later of moving to East Cobb, we moved on our Pastor Street, Pastor Merrick and Pastor Linda Hufton Street. And uh, he approached me and gave me a card, a flyer, and approached me in a wonderful, gentle way and invited me to honoring our heroes. So today it's our 22nd anniversary and we come home and uh, I see this, our son Jane checked the mail and I was like, what is this? And I see this, and I'm like, oh, it kind of looks familiar and hadn't seen it in a while. And then all of a sudden I see, World Harvest Church. I'm like, there's not another World Harvest Church here? And then it's our World Harvest Church in Georgia. So I just, it just tore me up because my pastor reached out to us with a flyer. 
June, uh, the summer of 2011 sometime. Has changed our life. Spence, you can't explain it. I'm so grateful. Whoa, who's every time I see it? Jesus reached out for every one of us. He reached out for you. You were not born saved. Someone God used to reach you. Jesus says the harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. Let me say this. I go out. I have never seen such openness in the harvest field. People are ready for to be prayed for. They're ready to receive Christ. And the lie of the Satan is they're against us when really they need us. Amen. you got to understand this thing. God needs you. And people are worth the reach. They're worth for you to step out of your comfort zone and say, I don't want to be used. As even Natalie she said before in that video, we cut it short, said, when I got that, I cried for 15 minutes because I realized if I had not received the flyer, I would not have gone to church. Where would be my family today? You know what? There's many Natalie's out there. There are many people. Just would someone show me the way? Would, sh would someone show me the door that I can turn the knob and step into eternal life? They're in the dark. They don't know where the door is. But you can take their hand. And because you see, and you can take them to the door and turn the door for them and let them step into eternal life. Jesus said, go into the highways and byways, compel them to come in. Jesus gave us the commission to go. I never saw this before until I studied it this last night. But really, all the goes in the Gospels are different. They first went to Galilee in Matthew. In Luke's gospel, he's at dinner with them. They're, they're different. Mark's gospel, they're in Galilee. But in Luke's, they're in Bethany. So what the point is, Jesus is restating it over again. He's restating it. Your message is this, go. Go. You know what he's saying? Reach. Reach. They're worth the reach. So there lies before us a week that we can do something with our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. Reach. Let Jesus use you to reach. The question is this, this week, will you reach? Let's pray. Father. Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. 
If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.